We are continuing our series, The Church, Which is His Body. And we're going through what some call the motivational gifts. I don't really call them anything other than gifts. Actually, I've named them gifts from the Father that are different. And uh, the verse that we'll read in a moment, we'll point that out. Uh, today, I'm going to deal with one of the gifts. I was going to deal with two But I started thinking about all the things we were going to try to get accomplished today. And I thought, we're just going to deal with one. And I've called it the gift of giving generously. You probably heard me tell the story about the the pastor who was up in front of the congregation. And he said, brothers and sisters, if this congregation is going to become something and grow, we've got to crawl. And one of the brothers said, let her crawl, pastor. Let her crawl. He said, and if we're going to crawl... We're going to have to walk. Let her walk, Pastor. Let her walk. And he said, if we're going to walk, one day we're going to have to be able to run. Let her run, Pastor. Let her run. He said, and if we're going to, if we're going to be able to have to run for Jesus Christ, it's going to take money. Let her crawl, Pastor. Let her crawl. And then there's the story that says after Abraham Lincoln became president before the days of civil service, office seekers besieged him everywhere trying to get appointments to various jobs throughout the country. Imagine that. Once confined to bed with typhoid fever, exasperated, Lincoln declared to his secretary, bring on the office seekers. I now have something I can give to everybody. Typhoid fever. The gift of giving. The gift of giving. Today what we want to do is we want to recognize that in the context of the scripture and what God teaches us, recognize there are those who are gifted by the Holy Spirit to be givers. Gifted. Now, we are all called to be givers. Everybody. We'll deal with that in a moment. But there are some who are gifted. So, and while we are, is my second point, while we're all instructed to be givers, there are those who have a particular bent towards being a giver. You know people, you you may be one of them, uh, that just, they just give. And then we're going to, what we're going to deal with today is why, what, and how shall we give? Why, what, and how? Uh, And I'm going to come back with some comments in a moment, but let's read uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, verses 4 through 8. Um, verses 4 through 8, if you would stand while we read the Scripture and uh, in honor. I'm re- again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and starting in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members or parts, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ. Everybody say differ. Thus our title, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You can be seated. 
There are several gifts there. We identified them last week. I'm not going to go back and do it again. But we want to deal today with the gift of giving. And he said gifts that differ according to the grace. Every one of us have been given a grace, a gift, that, that we lean in a particular way. And I said last Sunday that in, especially as it relates to these seven gifts, it's not uncommon at all for someone to possess more than one of these gifts. Today we just want to look at the gift of giving. And you think, oh my God, that preacher all here wants our money. All he ever talks about. Y'all know that's not true. Uh, I don't, I don't want all your money. Anyway, <laughs> the word give in this context or the word contributes in the ESV is a word that means to share or to impart. Well, let me just go ahead and, and point this out right at the beginning. If you think that the gift of giving only relates to finances, you don't understand the gift of giving. And if you think that God, when God talks about giving, that he's only talking about talking in a monetary sense, then we need to understand that it's more than that. It's more than just somebody giving money to something. Uh, in Luke 3.11, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. It's a sharing. It's, it's, it's the ability to share. It's the ability to impart. As a matter of fact, Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica in uh, Thessalonians 2.8, We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. So the giving, the spirit of giving and the gift of giving, yes, it includes the giving of finances. As a matter of fact, that's where we learn to give. Finances is the, is the place we learn how to be givers. And then that translates, once we're faithful there or able to be faithful, somebody said, well, I, I can give, I got my time and I can give my service, but I can't give my money. Well, then you won't give. You're not a giver. You got to learn to be faithful first. But then you give our, yourself and you give your, what he says here that we have imparted not only the gospel, but our own lives giving. The implication from these passages is that we have received a deposit from God by the Holy Spirit. And thus we have become kind of an aqueduct for God's resource. We've become a vehicle by which God transmits who he is. We said at the very beginning of the series that the gifts that God imparts to his church are not just gifts that God hangs off of us, but they are the Holy Spirit manifesting himself. It's not just the Holy Spirit doing things for us, and that's that's really true, but it's the Holy Spirit who is manifesting himself through us and through us through these supernatural gifts. And let me tell you the gift of giving is supernatural. All of them are supernatural. The, the supernatural gifts allow us to be vehicles by which God communicates himself to other people. And that's what, that's why we're gifted. That's why we have gifts. The gift of giving we would define as one who is predisposed to sharing with those in need. Say predisposed. predisposed. See, the predisposed means someone else did it, not you. So somehow, I don't know how God chooses people, but he chooses people 
to, you know, last week we dealt with the gift of serving and the gift of exhortation. And somehow God chooses people and says, I want this person to be an exhorter and I want this person to be a servant and they will have a gift of this. And so God chooses some people and says, I'm going to give them the gift of, of uh, giving. And I want them to do it with generosity. Some are gifted to acquire for the purpose of sharing, to help support ministry, to help support people, to help share with people. And again, this is the training ground. If, if we're not going to get it, in, we're not going to get uh, the idea of sharing and giving in our finances. We're not going to be get it get it in any other area. It just doesn't. That's getting the cart before the horse. So let's just start off by saying, why should we give? Why should we give to begin with? Well, there's one really good reason at the top of the list, and that is that's because God gives. wanting to be really quiet there, you know. God is a giver. God gives. What does he give? Well, he gives himself. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. There's one God, one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. So if God gives himself, then we should give ourselves. Is that not right? I'm going to read you a verse in a little while about a group of people that that's what they did. They gave themselves. I'm not going. I'm not going to comment, uh, do any commentary, but I want to tell you God gives perseverance and encouragement. You can find that in Romans fifteen five. God gives wisdom. You can find that in James one five. By the way, I will comment here. It says that He gives liberally, or generously. Uh, God gives grace. You can find that in James four six. God gives life. Acts seventeen twenty five. God gives His Spirit. John three thirty four. God gives songs in the night. Job 35, 10, God gives every good and perfect gift, James 1, 17. Do we get the impression that God's very nature is to give? God who could, who could, uh, without anyone criticizing him, God who could keep everything to and for himself because he's God and yet he is one who gives. So why should we give? Because God gives. Why else should we give? Because what we have is not ours. What we possess, what possessions we have, whatever resources we have, primarily and first and foremost, they do not belong to us. They belong to God. How much different or how different would we treat our resources? And I'm not just talking about money. Well, how would we treat our resources if we could really get a, a, a vision of the fact that it belongs to God? How would we treat it? Would we treat it differently? Would we be as careless with it? Would we be as frivolous with it? Psalm 50 says, every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so when we find out, we look in our checkbook, we look in our garage, we look in our closet, we look in whatever it, whatever it may be, 
we must recognize that even though we might possess these things, we are simply stewards. Everybody say stewards. We are stewards over God's property. And we would function that way. So why do we give? Because what we have is not ours. Why else do we give? And I'm going to ask you now if you would turn to 2 Corinthians 9 and just stay there because we're going to look at a few verses there. We're not going to bounce around. just going to look at a few verses there. But, but why do we give? That's so that we can supply the needs of others. I don't want to get too political, but we need to, we need to cease relying on the government to supply the needs of others, and we need to do it ourselves. Am I for, am I for the redistribution of wealth? Absolutely. He said, if you got two tunics, share with one who has none. That's redistribution of wealth. Am I for the federal government dictating and managing that? No. Call me what you want. Miss Ann, I would only run away, I can tell you that. No. So, supplying the needs of others. If you have turned to 2 Corinthians, it'd be good if I did. Uh, just, just look, and we're, gonna, we're just going to sit down here for a little bit. But anyway, 2 Corinthians 9, 12 says this on this page. For the ministry of this service, and he's speaking in context... By the way, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are specifically about finances. They're not about anything else but the giving of finances. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So when we, when we are givers, we are one of the things we do when we give is supply the needs of the saints. You know someone has a need. You know someone needs some assistance, needs a help along or a hand up, whatever. You are the source by which that comes. You take God's resources that he's put into your hands, whatever that looks like, and you share it with someone else who needs. That's why we give. One of the reasons we give. Since you're there, just turn back to one chapter, one page, whatever it might be, to chapter 8. Verse 13 says, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, speaking of the giving, uh, but that as a matter of fairness or equality, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness or equality. In other words, there are times when we need someone else to help us. And there are times when the someone else needs us to help them. And we should be willing to supply the needs of others in all equality and fairness. I'm not talking about subsidizing irresponsibility. I'm not talking about subsidizing laziness. I'm talking about just the helping of a brother or sister in need. Hmm. So if that's why we give, what shall we give? Well, you're going to love this answer. What shall we give? Whatever we have. Now, y'all brace yourself. You might want to get the CD so that you can hear this over again. <clears throat> because you can't give what you don't have. None of us can give what we don't have. But watch this. We can give what we do have. 
Y'all said, we've got the smartest pastor on the block. <laughs> well, that's not saying much because the next one down is the Mormons and the one after that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. So <laughs> it's a low bar. Peter and John are walking into the gate beautiful, and they see a lame man. Those of you note takers, this is Acts 4. They see a, or Acts 3, I forget. Anyway, there's a lame man sitting there, and he's begging for money. And Peter says, and I'll give you the Granger paraphrase here. Peter says to the guy, I'm a preacher. I don't have any money. <laughs> By the way, I watched a video this week. I don't know how I found it. But I watched a video that had the 20 uh, wealthiest pastors. Of course, one thing wrong with it was most of them weren't pastors. A lot of them were evangelists. Um, another thing wrong was, anyway, there's other things. But anyway, number 20, I think, was worth about $3 million. And then next one up was $5 million. And then when they got to the number one, I'm not naming names, by the way. The, num- the number one, they called this guy the wealthiest pastor. He's not a pastor. He was worth $760 million. I just want to let you know i got a little ways to go to get on that list. I'm not asking for any help. I'm just saying I'm not there. And neither was Peter and John. And Peter said, I don't have any money. I don't have, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you what I got. I can't give you what I don't have, but I'm going to give you what I have. And what I have is... Get up and walk. Of course, the guy did. He jumped up and walked because Peter said, I'm not going to focus on what I don't have. You know, he could have stood there with his pockets turned inside out. I was with a preacher one time. We were in an airport when you had to put a dime in to use the toilet. Ain't that crazy? And he, he, he said, Doc, do you have any money you can borrow from me? He pulled his pockets inside out. He said, I gave up money for Lent. He was serious. He just had lint in his pocket, you know. <laughs> How do you get that, Grant? <laughs> but Peter could have pouted and about what he didn't have. See, sometimes we see we see th- something happening. Where, oh, I wish I had more that I could give. Well, give what you got. Just give what you got. Don't worry about what you don't have. Give what you have. Whatever you have. That's what you get. It could be material goods. It could be finances. It could be one of your tunics if you wear a tunic. Anybody got a tunic? Yeah. I don't know where tunica is, but that's, I don't have a tunic. It, it could be any material goods that you might have. Something, you know, I, uh, twice recently I've gotten a big old stack of shirts that somebody's given me. There's not one of them. And I've given shirts. I gave Sean Pody a shirt this morning. It's hanging right inside there. Somebody gives me a shirt and it's just a little too small for me. I give it to Sean Pody. <laughs> and it usually fits. It could be anything that would we would call material goods. But we can also give as Peter gave. We can give, some, give something that we would consider to be spiritual. And what Peter gave to that guy was nothing material about it. He just grabbed him by his hand and said, get up and walk. Okay. And Paul already said we can give the gospel. We we should give grace to one another. And we should give revelation. If God shows you something, give it to somebody. 
You see, it's more than just finances. We can't get away from finances, but it's more than that. It's the desire to give. And in talking about this, what I'm desiring and what I'm hoping is that some of you, while I'm talking about giving and the gift of giving, that some of you either recognize that you have that gift. And when we get done, I'm going to give you some characteristics. And you say, well, I recognize that God's given me a desire to be a giver. Or another thing that can happen is that you look around the room or look around your world and you recognize there are people in your world that you say, I get it. I see it. Now I understand that person because God has given them the gift of giving generously. Which brings us to the third point. How shall we give? Why, what, and how? How shall we give? Easy. With all liberality. He said, those who contribute are those who give with generosity. There's no other way to give. Now, that may be something different than what you think. Um, Albert Barnes tells us that liberality is the bestowment of a favor without seeking any personal or selfish ends. And he goes on to say this, and this is so true. It is plain that when property is entrusted to us, there is a danger that we might be tempted to employ it for selfish and sinister ends to promote our own influence and prosperity. And therefore, the apostle exhorts us to do it with a single aim to the object for which it was given. Generosity or liberality in the context of this word in the scripture is not just a quantity, but it's an attitude. It's a single aim. It's a, it's a, uh, it's without having, it's without secondary aims. I'll show you an example. Here's a great example of what I'm talking about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and this is for the single purpose of that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God gave for one particular purpose. The single purpose that he gave his Son was that you and I might become saved that you and I might be, might escape the corruption of this world. And that was generosity. Now it was the highest quantity of sacrifice you could ever ask for. But the reason we call it liberal and generous is because God, without any self-serving, without any self-purpose, God gave his only son. Without any promise on our part, other than he sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning of reciprocation. God did not give his son just so you would reciprocate. He gave his son because he loved. I hope you see the distinction. We give with eagerness and anticipation. 2 Corinthians 8, 1. We want you brothers, want you to know brothers. This is, listen to this. This is so good. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. 
Did you hear what I just said? The church in Macedonia, in their extreme poverty, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now, how does that go together? How does someone who is overwhelmed with extreme poverty excel in a wealth of generosity? Because it's not the amount. It's the heart. It's not the quantity, but it's the intent. It's the desire. He also says, don't give begrudgingly. And, of course, we know this verse very well. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful or hilarious giver. People say, "Um, do I have to tithe? I said, no, you don't have to tithe. And, you know, if if you're tithing because you have to, I wish you wouldn't. But, by, by the way, there's a free book right back there in that little basket on what, what tithing is. And we're purposely not addressing that today. We must give because we want to. He says, let everyone be a, a hilarious giver, a cheerful giver. You know, and I, I understand that sometimes it's hard to part with your money. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to get into that. And we must, we must give remembering and knowing that God is our supplier. How in the world can we withhold what God has given us if we recognize that he has given it to us? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. It is him. That gives us the seed to be sown. And then finally, four character I mean characteristics of a gifted giver. What are the characteristics of a person who has the gift of giving? Well, first of all, is the ability to acquire resources. Have you ever noticed some people have the ability to acquire resources? And you say, Well, I wish I had all that. Well, God has provided people the ability to do that. And usually, well, I think, I think the rich young ruler was one of those folks. I think the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I believe he was a guy that God had gifted to be able to acquire resources. Because, but Jesus, as you've heard me say many times over, Jesus said to the, to the young man, here's what I want you to do. Go sell everything you have. Give the proceeds to the poor, and you'll be doing okay. And the Bible says the young man went away sad. Why did he go away sad? Because he couldn't do what Jesus asked him to do. And you've heard me say Jesus was not concerned at all that this young man had wealth and had resources. That didn't bother Jesus at all. What bothered Jesus and what he wanted to get through to the guy was that the resources and the wealth did not have the guy. And it was obvious they did. I am firmly convinced, had this guy been able to do what Jesus asked him to do, sell everything he had and give it to the poor, I'm firmly convinced he would have acquired more resources so that he could once again bless people, 
supply needs, whatever may be the case. And once he did that, I'm firmly convinced he could ha- he could acquire more resources and more resources. Not just so he could be a wealthy man and live on whatever street and drive whatever car, but so he could be that aqueduct we talked about. And there are people who have the gift of giving, and somehow they're able to acquire the resources because you've got to have resources to give out. A second characteristic is it's a person who has a desire to help and to assist people. If you've met people that when a need arises, you know, we had a situation here a couple, three years ago where a young girl was needing uh, some help on a mission trip. I don't remember who the girl was. As a matter of fact, is a, if I recall accurately, it wasn't even someone in our church. It was just someone that was that we knew, and they needed a certain amount of money to go on a mission trip. And someone overheard the conversation. They weren't in on the conversation, but they overheard that they needed X amount of dollars to complete their mission money. And that person said, here's the check. Wanting to assist, wanting to help, looking for opportunities to bless people, looking for opportunities to take the resources, whatever that may be. Again, it's not just money. And and assisting people, but wanting to do it, looking for it. That's a, peop- that's a person that has the gift of giving generously. Another, I think another characteristic of a person who has the gift of giving is not wanting or needing public acclaim. A person who really has a gift to give they're not doing it to be seen. They're not doing it to get their picture in the paper. They're not doing it to, to get uh, accolades. They're just doing it because it's their heart to bless people. Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, watch, this is great. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Now, do you know why Jesus said that? Because there was people who were doing that. There were people who were giving to the needy and they were blowing a trumpet so people would know that they gave to the needy. And Jesus is basically saying, well, you've already got your reward. Forget about one in heaven. So I'm no trumpet as the hypocrites do in the, syn- in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others truly i say they will receive their reward but when you give to the needy do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you a person who is willing and we get we get this a lot we get people who come up here they'll write a check or Sunday morning, they'll write a check and they'll put on the bottom of it. I want to designate this for this, that, that person, that ministry, that need. But I don't want them to know where it came from. A person who is really has the gift of giving is not going to draw attention to themselves. And they're basically going to give, for the most part, in secret. Why? Because they don't need public acclaim. They don't want accolades. They want to fulfill this desire that God has put in them to be a giver. And that's it. It's a heart thing. Another thing that a person who has a gift of giving is that they cannot be controlled by money or things. 
can't be controlled, can't be owned by material goods. Or as the old King James says, free from filthy lucre. Terminology we use every day. (laughs) Free from the love of money. In the Western culture, that's, that's a battle. In the Western culture, we're taught that we're supposed to love money. And we're supposed to do whatever it takes to gain it. And there is, the problem with that is, there is the matter of being productive. There is the matter of allowing God to bless us and to be productive in such a way that he can bring resources into our hands. And I will tell you that the ones that he he blesses the most are the ones who understand what I'm talking about. And the requirement of an overseer or an elder or a bishop is that he must be free from the love of money. <laughs> My wife and I were teenagers, <clears throat> which, well, I start to say we weren't married, but we were married at teenagers, but we, this, this time we were not married yet. I was probably 16 because I was just starting to drive and looked this young friend of ours who uh, came to our chapel every morning at, across from the junior high school. Uh, he said, uh, Brother Granger, why don't you bring some young folk over to my church? Now, he's younger than me, this, this fellow. I'm the associate pastor, and I'm going to be preaching on Tuesday night or something. So I said, well, well, we can do that. And so I grabbed up my old raggedy amp and my guitar and grabbed up some young people and her, and I don't remember who all, there's five or six or eight of us, I don't know. We went over to their church and and there was more of us than it was of them. And so we played some music. They played some music. The, the sum total of their musicians, their worship team, the sum total was a lady sitting on the front row about right there with a bass drum. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, when we all, boom, get to heaven, boom. That's, what, that, that's all they had. <laughs> And so we played, and we sung a few songs, and uh, and then so then he said it's time to receive the offering, and so they had a, like a lot of churches, they had a communion table up here, and so he he went up and grabbed the basket, and the lady beat the drum. We might have played some music anyway. They passed the basket around the room, you know, there was probably eight or ten people in the audience scattered, and they took it. We played music. They got done. He came up to the communion table, turned his back to the audience, flipped it over, and counted it. He got up, he turned back around, he said, that's not enough, let's do it again. <laughs> Here we go again, we're playing music, and he's passing the basket around, you know, and le- boom. <laughs> he gets done, he gets the last person, he comes up here and dumps it over on the community. He's counting it again, we're still playing, he said, that's not enough, let's do it again. He starts to send the, the basket back around. His daddy is sitting about where Doris is sitting. His daddy stands up with his wallet in his hand. He said, son, how much do you need? <laughs> he loved money. We already knew that. I want to tell you that the elder or the pastor or the minister especially, it's true for everybody, but especially for those trying to lead that lets finances and money on them, it will ruin them. Because as Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 6, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 
And so the writer of Hebrews says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content. Everybody say be content with what you have. A person who has the gift of giving can be content with what they have. They can be. Whether it's of little or whether it's a lot. Don't forget, the church in Macedonia gave with generosity out of their poverty. Not about the quantity. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And the last, we've covered this several times, but the last characteristic that I'll give us is generous. A person who has the gift of giving is generous. They have a singleness of mind. They have they give with sincerity without self-seeking. They give for a purpose. They don't they don't withhold, but they give from their heart. Um, Sir Henry Taylor said, He who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity. For the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. A giver, a, a gift, the gift of giving that appears in a person, appears in a person who is sacrificial, who is willing to go beyond themselves, who understands that God is the supplier, and that even if they gave it all away, that God would give it back, give them more resources and seed to be sown. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Okay.